Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9, 11 a.m. at the main campus and 11 a.m. at the Monk's Corner, Remount, and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening. We hope that God blesses you through doing so. Take your Bibles out. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Turn me down just a little bit. I'm ringing a little bit up here. Genesis chapter 1. We'll look at verse 26. Welcome this morning. Great to have each one of you here. Uh, We've got a whole host of people that are watching us as we're streaming live right now. We welcome you as well. Those who will be watching on the television this week, we welcome you. Uh, We welcome those in the late service. I will be moving to the Remount campus and ministering on our campus over there. And so we welcome those who will be in our second service here at Faith Assembly. We welcome you this morning. So good to have each and every one of you. We the people. How many know it's a government for the people, by the people, for the people? I messed that up. But anyway, it's a government for us. We've got to get involved. We've been looking at that. We've been looking at how great America is and how important for every believer to speak out and let their voice be heard. Now, one of the ways we will do that, one of the great privileges we have in America is to vote. We live in a democracy and we are able to vote and it's a great privilege we have to live here. And so we're talking about that responsibility. Now, the the bottom line is we just don't go in and leave our Christianity outside of the polling booth. We are kingdom people first. And so the bottom line is believers, we got to vote our values. We don't vote the economy. We don't vote race. We don't vote any other issue, but we do have to vote our values. And there are certain biblical values that are very clear in the word of God. And so we are going to be looking at those values and looking at what God's word has to say. Last week we looked at that number one value of life. It is the right to life. It is that unalienable right. It is, there's scripture after scripture in the word of God that talks about the right. By the way, just as a side note, after last Sunday morning's message, over 70 women on our campus has signed up to be involved in some way or another at Alpha Printing Center. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? We, we already have a couple of people working on ultrasound machines, so hopefully one of those will come through and we'll be able to get there very shortly over there. Many of you gave money and gifts, financial gifts, and so what an overwhelming response, and I'm so thankful this church cares about the life of the unborn child. That is just absolutely incredible testimony to each and every one of you. Uh, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word today. I want to challenge you this morning to listen to God's Word with an open mind. Uh, and once again, we're not to look at life through our political lenses. It's not about what party I am involved in. It's not Democrat, Republican, Independent, Tea Party, whatever party you want. What we've got to do is we look at all of life through kingdom lenses. Okay? What, 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 what does God say? What am I hearing from heaven? What does God's word have to say? And that should color everything else we do in America today. So let's take a look at it. And see what God's word says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Father, I pray today as we open up your word, you'll open up our hearts. I pray that we as believers will begin to capture your values. I pray God will proclaim those values. We'll proclaim life and healing and forgiveness and declare repentance according to your word. We love you, mighty God. May your word find fertile ground today. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. There's a, uh, there's a show that's, that's been on television for a while. It's called uh, Extreme Makeover, the Home Edition. Anybody ever seen that one before? And they, they go in and they remodel this home and they, the family goes away somewhere for a week and, and they bring this whole crew in and they come in and they remodel the home, they landscape the yard, they fix up the outside, they go in fix up the inside. They just totally make over a home. And they bring the family back on this final crowning day to see this home, see this house. And, and Ty shouts out these words, move the bus. And they move the bus out of the way. And the family goes, oh, oh, it's so beautiful. It's what I've always dreamed about. And they cry. And the crowd, the studio audience, they're clapping. They're all excited. The ladies are all crying. It's a heartwarming moment when Ty finally says, move the bus. How many know that there's an extreme makeover of the American family? going on today in America. Our families are being redefined, are being made over today like never before. The traditional idea that marriage is a lifelong contract has been undermined by a divorce revolution. And so now that almost one out of every two people who get married, it ends up in divorce. The traditional idea that, that marriage should be the context for a sexual union, uh, according to the word of God, uh, has now been under attack and under fire with the sexual revolution. And so now premarital sex is rampant, cohabitation, promiscuity, pornography, infidelity. They are all stretching the traditional boundaries of marriage to the limits. And today, the, the fundamental definition of marriage itself is under attack. And that fundamental definition in Genesis is one man for one woman for life. And it's been challenged by a homosexual agenda that is pushing for same-sex marriage uh, in our laws, uh, in our schools, uh, in our culture, and even in our churches. Even mainline denominations today are beginning to embrace this new revised definition of the family. Marriage. We, we've witnessed recently uh, that the, the Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts passed a law now saying it's legal to have same-sex marriages in, in, in California as well. And so you, 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 the cameras flash and two women are kissing each other and two men are kissing each other right in front of the cameras. It's piped right into our living rooms. Over 30 states have passed constitutional amendments preserving the traditional family as the union of one man and one wife. And yet what is happening is the courts are going in and challenging the definition of a traditional marriage uh, and therefore all the laws protecting uh, the family. In 1996, the Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA, Defense of Marriage Act, an overwhelming majority in 1996 in the Senate and in the House 
signed it, it, it uh, passed the Defin- uh, Defense of Marriage Act. President Clinton, who was our sitting president at that time, signed it into law. And it goes like this, and I want you to listen to the wording. The word marriage means only a legal union between one man and one woman as husband and wife. And the word spouse refers to only a person of the opposite sex who is a husband or a wife. Now, I want to tell you that is in our laws right now. That is called the Defense of Marriage Act. And yet our current administration opposes DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, and believes it should be repealed across the board. They came out with a statement to declare last June to be lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender pride month. And you can open your papers today and you can see the gay parades all across the nation that are going on. Uh, Our president applauded two father families in his Father's Day message not too long ago in the month of June. He affirmed California judges' ruling that overturned the votes of 7 million Californians. Listen to me. California voted to uphold the Defense of Marriage Act. But the Supreme Court of the state of California later came and overturned that vote. And they said the marriage amendment was divisive and discriminatory. Our, our, our family, the, the, the unit of, of a man and a woman is under great attack today. Now, now the question is, how do we as believers respond? How, how do we respond to what is going on all around us? Uh, I want to tell you, we have got to go to the Word of God to see what God's Word has to say. Not what our politicians say, not what culture may say, but we have to stand on the unchangeable and fallible Word of God. This is a fixed standard of moral absolutes of right and wrong. And so we've got to say, God, what does your Word teach us? So we're going to look at that together. First of all, I want you to notice the divine pattern. The divine pattern. I read from Genesis 1. Let's go to Genesis 2.18. And I'm going to move quickly, as quick as I can. I have a lot of, uh, of, of material, information I want to share with you today. Uh, verse 18. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper compatible to him. Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called the living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a suitable helper comparable to him. Can you imagine passing those animals by? God, that's not going to do. Hippo, no. Elephant, No. And the Lord caused, that might be a little exaggeration there. It may not happen just like that. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and he closed up his flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of the man. Therefore, a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, now Adam's looking for a, a suitable helper. He's looking for a companion. He's looking for someone to complete him and complete his life. So, so God takes a part of Adam's body, and he fashions someone similar to Adam, but different. 
different. And, and, and yet, this person is uniquely different. It, uh, the human race is incomplete without both male and female. Both are needed. And, and, and God deny, designs a unique woman and brings her out to Adam. And Adam gets excited and said, wow, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Now, that, that's God's divine pattern. That's creation. That's for the propagation of the human race. Jesus Christ later affirms that as the divine pattern. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, verses 4 to 6. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason, the man shall leave father and mother, be joined his wife. They should become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Now, now when God designs man, it's, it's incredible. God designs us in his image. And one of the things about the image of God is creativity. And so he makes man and then he makes woman to complete the man. And he says, now be creative. Now be fruitful. Now multiply and cover the face of the earth. Uh, and, in, and in sexual union between a male and female, they literally become co-creators with God of life. Isn't that cool? The way, the way God designed that, way, the way that works out. And children come into being as a husband and a wife unite. Uh, the egg and the sperm meet uh, and they unite to form a human person loved by God. God's creative. He, he, it's genius the way God did this. And so he, he leaves those instructions for male and female to be fruitful, multiply, to be creative like he was. Dr. James Dobson makes this statement, and I want you to listen to it. More than 10,000 studies have concluded that kids do best when they are raised by mothers and fathers. I found a more recent statistic that just came out. It's a new study by associate professor Mark uh, Regnerus from University of Texas. And he did research now that they are having more data on uh, same-sex families. And this is what he came up with. Parental pedophilia is widespread. 23% of children with lesbian mothers reported as having been touched sexually by a parent or adult. Compared to 2% of parents raised by their biological parents. 2% of children, excuse me. Rape is rampant. 31% of children raised by lesbian mothers and 25% raised by a homosexual man report they were forced to have sex against their will compared to 8% from intact families. Sexually transmitted disease is epidemic. Over 20% of those brought up by two women and 25% raised by two men reported having contracted an STD comparable to 8% only from natural families. And here's the conclusion, and I could go on, but let me just read the summation of it. The study proves what we have known all along, that children fare better when raised by a biological man and woman, father and mother. We should be passing laws that strengthen family, not tear it down. Children raised in homes where homosexuals or same-sex behaviors are present face increased risk. The policy of same-sex union says that moms and dads are relevant to the well-being of children. The social experiment of same-sex unions will prove disastrous for children. 
So when marriage follows God's design, everybody wins. Everybody wins. The man, the woman, children, the community, the country, and our world. Every civilization in history is built on the foundation of marriage. The welfare of our children, the propagation of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the well-being of society, the orderliness of civilization depends on the stability of marriage according to God's divine pattern. When we deviate from God's pattern, when we deviate from God's design, we are inviting disaster upon our nation. Second, I want you to notice the deceptive perversion. The deceptive perversion. 2003, a professor at Chicago Theological Seminary released a book. And in that book he said Jesus was homosexual. Churches that have embraced the sin of homosexuality under the name of tolerance and diversity are saying that David and Jonathan, Ruth and Naomi, and others in the Bible were homosexual. I want to tell you this is a tragic and very deep deception. God's word is clear. Homosexuality is a sin condemned by God. And as you study the word of God, you will see as he talks about homosexuality and the word of God, in Genesis 18, he calls it a grievous sin. In Genesis 19, he calls it a wicked thing. In Leviticus 18, he says it's detestable. In Leviticus 20, he says they must be put to death. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 to 29, he calls it a shameful lust, unnatural and indecent. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. We'll do a little study of it. This is probably one of the clearest passages on the Word of God. There are many, many scriptures I could give you again today, but I will just focus on this one for time's sake. Genesis 1, verse 24. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Now, now Paul says that homosexuality is a perversion against God's natural order. It is a sin against nature itself. It is a sin against God's basic design that I share with you at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. And, and according to Romans, as you work your way through chapter 1, it is a sign also that, that we are under the judgment of God for this particular sin. It's a powerful warning. He says, to persist in this sin, you run the risk of being given over to it by God. Now, as you study Romans chapter 1, you'll see some phrases. Three times it talks about exchanges. There are three exchanges made in Romans chapter 1. And then that is followed by three give-overs by God. Okay, you're with me here? 
So let me take you through the process. Step number one in verses 19 and 20. He says, God's invisible attributes, God's invisible transcendence, uh, uh, the, what is clearly visible in all creation is abandoned. The second step is, is humans knowingly exchange the true God for idols. It says they, they quit worshiping the creator and they begin to worship the created thing. And so they begin to worship idols and they exchange their worship that is only due to God and they begin to worship idols. Stage three is God gives them over. What does the word say? It says in verses 24, 26, and 28, he says, I will give you over to your own passions, your own desires. There will be no more restraints. I'm taking my hand off of you. Because you've exchanged the worship of God for what is created. He says, I I give you over to a depraved mind or an unfit mind. Stage four. Many humans dishonor themselves by exchanging the natural. Notice the exchange again. The natural intercourse for self-degrading unnatural behavior of homosexuality. And he, he, he says, he goes on to say, everybody who exchanges the truth of God for the, worship of the, uh, for, for the worship of idolatry, everybody moves into some sort of sin. In those last three verses, he describes all those sins. He says, many turn to homosexuality, but he says, others turn to uh, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, evil-minded. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil thing, disobedient to parent, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgivable, unmerciful. Once you make that break, once you say there is no God, once you say there is no creator, there is no law, there is no morality, it's a very short step from that into immorality. And he said at the height of that, it was homosexuality, and he describes that. In other words, an absurd exchange, oh, and and last, stage five, the self-degrading evil behavior uh, before God allows God basically to just give them over. And he says in verse 32, their recompense will be death. An absurd exchange of God for idols leads to an absurd exchange of heterosexual intercourse to homosexual intercourse. A dishonoring God, according to Paul, leads to a dishonoring of our bodies, one with another. I could spend all day right there on that one passage. Exchanges, give-overs. Man exchanges, God gives them over. The Bible opens in Genesis with this beautiful marriage between Adam and Eve. Beautiful marriage between a man and a woman. Do you know that God is going to close out history with another marriage? It's going to be a marriage of Christ with his bride. We are the bride of Christ. And Paul says in Ephesians that that marriage union between a man and a woman, between a male and a female, is a type of God's marriage to his church. Why do you think Satan is all out to attack marriages? 
because it is a cosmic battle we're fighting. Uh, It is a battle in the heavenly realms we're fighting. It's not just something that just came up the other day. He has always been attacking the marriage family union because he wants to destroy the next generation, but also because it's a type of God's marriage and union with his church, the bride. And one day he's coming back. And John writes, and I saw the heaven and the earth coming down as a bride adorned for its groom. And, and you see this beautiful analogy and picture of that, that, that marriage supper of the lamb. Oh, what a day that's going to be. It's no wonder we're in this battle. It's no wonder we're in this warfare today between ideologies of the word of God and and this attack on culture, this attack on our family. So how do we respond? Third, the definitive problem. What's the problem today? What's going on today? Let me just kind of fill you in very quickly. The definitive problem. Uh, One one is one argument you will hear, one, one discussion you will hear is, uh, homosexuals say we were born this way. It was in our genes. God made me gay. God made me gay. There has been a lot of study and research done on what is called the gay gene. Much of that study was done by biased homosexuals who are doing the study and research themselves. But ever since that study began till the present day, every one of their findings have been reported repudiated by credible research. There is no evidence whatsoever anywhere of a gay gene. You won't find it in science, in research. You cut everybody's brain open at the end. You'll not tell who's homosexual and who is straight. You, you can't tell. There's no gene out there. And yet, and yet, even though this has all been discredited, because it's been so much put out there, it is almost believed as fact today. Joseph Goebel, who led the Nazi propaganda machine, says, tell a lie long enough and loud enough, and eventually most mindless people will believe it. And that's kind of what's happened today. It's, I was made this way. I was created this way. I can't help myself. This is the way God designed me. God did not make anyone homosexual. The Bible declares the problem is ours. Now, let me tell you, the problem is all of ours. Because here's what God's word says, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The problem is a sin problem. It's not God's problem. It's not a problem with creation. Isaiah 53 and verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray and turned each to his own way. Listen, every single one of us has this sin nature. And, and what that sin nature can lead you in all kinds of different directions. We've all gone astray. We've all turned every man to his own way. But God did not place anything in the genetic code uh, that could possibly destroy someone's immortal soul. Our sinful nature is the root of all kinds of evils. Uh, but listen to me, with God's help and God's grace and God's forgiveness, we don't have to give in to those evil desires uh, that every single one of us struggle with. Number four, I want you to look at their destructive program. Homosexuals make up about 2.9% of the total population. 
2.9%, and yet they are very vocal, well-organized, well-funded, and highly motivated. What is the radical homosexual agenda? Universal acceptance of gay and lesbian lifestyle, special privileges and rights in the laws, sensitivity training of all of our children through public education, silencing critics in the clergy, in Christian media, and securing legal benefits of marriage parenting of any two people of the same gender. Now that's their written agenda. This is their goals. This is their agenda. This is what they're advocating. This is what is being pushed for. Uh, We are seeing inroads being made in every strata and area of society. In the entertainment media, it was just a few years ago that Brokeback Mountain won all the awards, kind of swept the Academy Awards. It was about uh, two homosexual men. On television, one of the most popular sitcoms is Modern Family, and it depicts a homosexual uh, um, couple quite frequently. I just heard the other day, now our comic books have come out with a homosexual superhero, the Green Lantern. So if you're wondering, the Green Lantern just came out of the closet. And nearly every television program advances rebellion against God's pattern found in his word. It is a cultural, there's there's a cultural clash going on today. And it's being driven by the media. Look at the uh, education arena. Elementary children in New England were designed to play gays in a school skit. Two girls were told to hold hands and pretend to be lesbians. One boy's line was, it's natural to be attracted to the same sex. Since same-sex marriage has been legalized in the state of Massachusetts, in Lexington, Massachusetts, second graders were treated to a book called King and King. It was a 29-page children's book where the prince was searching for his wife, only to find another prince. The story ends with the princes getting married, living happily ever after. On the last page, those princes are now kings. And they exchange a kiss. This is seven-year-old curriculum in the state of Massachusetts. You see, uh, when same-sex marriage became legal in California, educators at San Francisco, the charter school, they thought they'd take all the kids to a field trip. And so that day they had their big ceremony on the courthouse steps in San Francisco. The first graders were there. And they brought their first graders to watch their teacher, their lesbian teacher, in their marriage act. And all the first graders were there to throw rose petals uh, at the end of that ceremony uh, on our San Francisco steps. And the director said, it is really what we call a teachable moment. Listen to this. Lesbian author Patricia Nell Warren, she makes this statement and listen to it. And she's right on. She is very correct in this statement. It is the first fact of civilization. Whoever captures the kids owns the future. I'm going to run this by you again. This is profound. It's a great statement. It is a first fact of civilization. Whoever captures the kids owns the future. What's taking place on the legal arena, the legal agenda? While six out of ten people in America oppose gay marriage... Homosexual activists 
are looking to the courts to advance their agenda. 2004, the Massachusetts High Court legalized same-sex marriage, even though the majority in that state were opposed to it. In 2008, California, Connecticut followed suit. In 2009, Iowa did the same thing. The White House has instructed the Justice Department to no longer defend the constitutionality of DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. They said, don't pay attention to that anymore in cases of legally married same-sex couples. White House spokesman said the president believes DOMA, Defense of Marriage Act, is unnecessary and unfair. Now, now the question is, why? You say, Pastor, why, why is it such a big deal? If two people want to do what they want to do, why not just let them do it, turn our heads the other why? Why do we talk about it? Why are we making a big deal of it? Why are you taking a message on this very sensitive issue. Same-sex marriage is more than just an issue of privacy. It is an absolute clash of worldviews. We are at a pivotal moment in Western civilization because I will tell you what happens in America affects the rest of the world. If allowed, listen to me, if we allow same-sex marriage If we stand by when all these laws are being changed under our watch, no society will be left untouched. It will affect education. It will affect our public school systems. It will affect our employment practices. It will affect adoption. It will affect faith-based nonprofits to to the point where we will, any faith-based nonprofit will lose their nonprofit status if they don't comply with the marriage laws in our land. It has already affected institutions such as the Boy Scouts, think about it, and our military. Gay rights and religious rights are headed for a massive confrontation. And what is happening is, is, is it has been said that when those two collide, uh, gay rights will win out. Massachusetts already, since this became law, said legalized marriage homosexual marriage is totally legal since it became law the largest adoption agency was the catholic charities they refused to adopt their children out to same-sex couples on the basis of faith and belief in scripture as a result those children were all taken out of their care the adoption agency was shut down releasing hundreds of kids into the foster system in the state of Massachusetts. Don't think that laws like this will change, will not have an effect on what goes on in America today, particularly the next generation. Since since gay marriage has been legal, they were in violation of the state's licensing laws and they were forced to abandon their kids. The president and his new defense strategy has already said he will force chaplains in the armed service to perform same-sex military weddings, trampling on the chaplain's right of religious freedom. He has already said if they do not comply, they will be forced to leave the military. What has happened, and listen to me, by framing its struggle for gay marriage in terms of civil rights, they're making it a civil rights issue. The gay movement has has gained an incredible advantage. They have wrapped themselves under the umbrella, under the cloak of civil rights, 
and they've put all their opponents on the defensive. The Supreme Court in Massachusetts, which overturned Defensive Marriage Act, said you should not be allowed to vote on an amendment defending marriage as one man and one woman because minority rights should not be entrusted to the popular vote. And so they say it's not an issue of what the majority wants. It's a civil rights issue. And so the courts have got to protect civil rights of its people. And therefore, they think if homosexuals are in the minority, they've got to protect civil rights rights. And so all those 30 states that have constitutional amendments, what happens when this works its way up to the Supreme Court and you get five judges who now all of a sudden will say, you know what? We believe the family is no longer as it's always been defined. It can be man to man, woman to woman. And they overturn every single one of those laws. Where are we headed? Unless we the people get involved, we only have a small window of opportunity before the gay movement achieves its major goal to desensitize the nation to its lifestyle. Number five, what do we do? The determined plan. What can we do? I want to give you four things. Get these down. This is really the crux of my message today. Get this down. Number one, pray, 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 pray. Pray for our nation that's heading towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Pray the Spirit will awaken His church that will begin to speak out and cry out. Pray that God will revive the church that is worldly, that we ourselves will get our heart and mind fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Listen, before you make a call, before you write that letter, before you send that email, before you cast your vote, pray. Pray. Nothing of spiritual significance happens in America unless we pray. 2 Chronicles 7, we must humble ourselves, uh, turn from our wicked ways, and seek his face. Then he will hear from heaven. A couple visitors come by Abraham's tent. They're angels, emissaries sent by God with instructions to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their homosexual lifestyle. Abraham prayed, and the judgment of God was averted. And he said, if there be 50 righteous, if there be 40 righteous, and for a time God averts his judgment, and because Abraham prayed, Lot and his family are rescued out of that city. Pray. The future of America is not in the hands of the politicians in Congress or in senators. It's not in the White House. It's not even held in the balance by the court of our land. Uh, But listen, it lies in the hand of God-fearing Christian men and women getting on their knees, uh, seeking the face of God, who's able to turn uh, our leaders uh, like a river, like a water course. Pray. Action step number two. Practice what we preach. Work on the quality of your own marriage. What's your marriage like? What's your home like? What's your family like? You've got plenty in the Word of God to tell you how to run a house and run a family. Build your home and your marriage on a foundation of the Word of God. Getting a hearing from culture demands credibility. 
and we lose our credibility when Christian marriage divorce is the same rate as it is out in the world. Christian marriages should be a model for the watching world today. They need to see life and truth. They need to see it lived out in the, in the parameters of our home, in the laboratories of our home. They need to see that traditional marriage works. Teach your children to honor marriage. Teach your children to abstain from sexual intercourse before they are married. Be a good model of a proper relationship between a man and a woman. Model that in our home. Action step three. Participate in our government of the people, by the people, and for the people. If we don't participate, if we don't function as salt and light, if we don't speak up, if we don't exercise our rights to vote, when we disobey God, when we don't do what God is clearly in his word, if you'll go back to sermon one, I talked about Christian responsibility according to the word of God. If we disobey God, we allow Satan to prevail by default. Contact your U.S. representatives. Tell them you stand for the Defense of Marriage Act. Urge public officials to support marriage and family-friendly policies. Urge your schools to adopt family-friendly curriculum that encourages sexual abstinence until marriage. Urge state legislatures to adopt or strengthen the Defense of Marriage Act or constitutional amendments that define marriage as a union of a man and of a woman. Support and vote for candidates for public office at all levels who defend the definition and institution of marriage and oppose those who do not. And action step number four, proclaim. Proclaim. I, uh, there was a Phoenix, Peanuts comic strip. And uh, Lucy tells Linus something. And, and she tells him this. I finally figured out how to prove everyone that my religion is right. And Linus says, how do you do that? It's simple. I hit him over the head with my lunchbox. Now listen. What am I saying by that? We are to love those who are bound in that lifestyle. We are to love them, pray for them, reach out to them, minister to them, show them grace. Love speaks the truth, which will eventually set the captive free. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. I want you to listen to this very carefully. It's a powerful verse. It gives everybody hope. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. There's a long list of them there. These are things believers should not be involved in. And look what it says in verse 11. And such were some of you, past tense. 
But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Believers, listen to me. We need to proclaim the good news. Uh, There is forgiveness. There is grace. There is deliverance. And such were some of you. It's ironic that those who are in that lifestyle of homosexuality struggle to achieve freedom from the so-called shackles of religion or or, uh, biblical mandates or traditional institutions. And so now they say they are really free. And yet the Bible says it is in Jesus Christ. In, in those who, are, serve, uh, those who uh, are, commit sin are slaves to sin. So while they declare their freedom from all restraints, the word of God says they bind themselves in slavery and in the shackles of sin. Freedom can only be experienced when we live our life in harmony with God's pattern. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, let, let me, of the 2.9% in the homosexual community, there are, there are many of those who are satisfied with their lifestyle. But I will tell you, the vast majority are not. They hurt. They hurt. While the minority may march in the gay parades, fight for rights, they're hurting. And many of these want freedom from same-sex relations They want to hear a word that goes beyond condemnation. Uh, They want to hear the word that there's grace and hope and forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is, in this church this morning, almost every family is touched by someone in their family who is involved in homosexual lifestyle. Parents with children who have moved into a homosexual lifestyle. And even in this congregation this morning, I would venture to say there are persons who are struggling with homosexual desires or may be involved in homosexual acts. I've got great news. Jesus Christ can break the strongholds of sin and offer freedom and forgiveness and hope. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. There is no life that God cannot change and restore. When we turn from our sins to Christ, He will change our desires. He will change everything about us. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's a promise, and we need to proclaim it to everyone, everywhere. There's freedom and life and joy and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to live and preach a message of transforming power of the love of God in Christ Jesus. The Word says, and such 
were some of you. Let's stand alongside those who are trapped by Satan's snare and lead them to Christ Jesus, uh, who alone can set them free. Hallelujah. Proclaim it. There's freedom in Christ. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.